You were born with individual strengths and a unique purpose. Don't let fears, false beliefs, or life's happenings diminish your influence. It's time to live and lead for impact. Host Kirsten Ross, expert of transformation, will help you defeat the drama and overcome the trauma that can stop you in your tracks. You'll gain focus, find confidence, and take bold action. Unleash passionate, purposeful you. Let's go. Welcome to Live and Lead for Impact. I'm Kirsten Ross, your host, and this is episode 229. I have Amy Lynn Durham here today, and she is the founder of Create Magic at Work and an international authority on improving workplace culture so employees and teams have better results with less drama and stress. Okay. I just have to stop there. I, I coined, I, uh, trademarked the term defeat the drama years ago. So I, I knew that we were kindred spirits, but in addition, <laughs> Amy is AUC Berkeley certified executive coach certified to coach in the 21 skills associated with spiritual intelligence using the SQ 21 assessment, a certified emotional intelligence practitioner. Amy loves to share tips and tools to help leaders put their ego aside and gain higher productivity with less stress in the workplace. Welcome, Amy. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation today. It's going to be fun. It is. Oh my gosh. I'm going <laughs> to, um, yeah, I'm excited to hear, but again, I saw that drama thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, come on now. <laughs> yeah, no so, drama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got to defeat that drama it stands in the way. So, um, tell me more specifically, you have all this stuff going on, but, um, tell me a little bit more specifically about the work that you do and the impact that you're making in the world. Yeah. So I'm going to take you back a little bit just to give you a little bit of a background. I was a corporate executive for many, many years, and I basically felt, I got to a point where I felt like my creativity was being stifled in the workplace. And I definitely was experiencing some feelings of burnout because when I left, finally left my job, I planned to leave my job for a year and I didn't tell anybody. And what I did was I said, okay, I want to leave on top so nobody can say anything. Cause I was in a very cutthroat competitive corporate environment, worked for a publicly traded company, um, with quotas and all of that stuff. Right. Yeah. And what I did was I took my employees and I used these EQ, emotional intelligence and spiritual intelligence, skill building activities to bring them together. And at the time, I don't think they realized what I was doing because when I left my job, I put all the activities in my book to share with other leaders what, you know, some quick ways that they can bring their people together. But really what I, I had a few goals in mind. I wanted to leave on top my job on top because I wanted to prove that connection and collaboration wins over unhealthy competition and pitting people against each other. Yes. I also wanted to throw in my hands in the air over here. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I also wanted to sleep in my same bed for a month in a, you know, 30 days in a row because I traveled so much. I was like, I'm going to sleep in my bed. <laughs> oh, good goal. That was the other one. And I wanted to 
go out on my own and re-inject myself back into the workplace in a different way. And that's how Create Magic at Work was born. I took off. I wrote the book. I traveled a little bit. I attended the UC Berkeley Executive Coaching Institute. Everyone started talking to me about spiritual intelligence. Um, It just kept coming up and coming up. I discovered the SQ21, which is the 21 skills of spiritual intelligence developed for the workplace by Cindy Wigglesworth. She's a former HR um, executive for Exxon, and it's been quite a journey in the entrepreneur space, but I'm super excited about the work that I'm doing because I think it's, it's probably (laughs) the most connecting work that we can do. And it makes the most difference in the workplace. I mean, it really does. And I think what it does, I'm like rambling now, but I'm starting to think of men in the workplace and how they've been conditioned to not show emotion, not be vulnerable. Things are changing gratefully. Um, But I think this work is super important for men in particular. Yeah. So tell me (laughs) a little bit more specific. And I, yeah, I, yeah, I had a man experience (laughs) just recently. It was like the opposite though, but it would take us down a different path. I'm about to do a podcast episode on it though. Just the whole how assertive women are, you know, perceived, but anyway, I digress. But so tell me a little bit more specifically about, do you generally come into an organization, a department? Do you work with individuals? Like, how are you generally making your impact in the corporate world? And I'm assuming it's in the corporate world. Yes, it's definitely mm -hmm. in the corporate world. So it's two parts. I have the create magic at work, fun activities that leaders can do with their teams. So I come in and I can do a whole connecting team build throughout the day on activities based off my book, which skill build in EQ and SQ. And then the other piece is the one-on-one coaching and the one-on-one coaching. My favorite thing to do is that is the SQ 21. It's, it's, it's be, it has the biggest impact for the shortest amount of time. And you get so much from just a one-time session. So you basically, you take the assessment, you get your skill levels and all of the 21 skills of SQ. And then you meet with me to do an hour debrief. And then you have this assessment and its results for the rest of your life. And you take it with you as a leader. So it's a one-time interaction that packs a pretty big punch. And then you can do other sessions after that. If you want to deep dive into some of the skills, some of the skills of SQ are like, let me give you some examples of spiritual intelligence. First off, spiritual intelligence is a faith neutral system and you can be agnostic. You can be atheist. As long as you believe that you have a place within you that comes from wisdom, compassion, love, what we like to call your higher self that you can access, you can work on these 21 skills of SQ for the workplace. And some of the skills They're broken up into four different quadrants, similar to EQI. Uh, Some of the skills are like, are you aware of your values? Do you have a values hierarchy? Can you stack rank them? Those are some of the beginning, excuse me, skills. Um, what, what is your level of your awareness of the interconnectedness of life? What is your skill level on your breadth of time perception? And then when we get down into quadrant four, most executive leaders want to immediately take me to quadrant four when they want to talk about their results, (laughs) because the skills in quadrant four are like, am I a wise and an effective change agent? Can I make wise and compassionate decisions? Some of those things to explore. And I see it a lot on LinkedIn where 
leaders um, put in their title, I'm a change agent or I'm a servant leader. And I wonder at times if that's just becoming a new corporate catchphrase that people are kind of, and, and if they've really sort of peeled back the layers of the onion as far as what that means. Um, so yeah, and I have clients that make amazing discoveries at some beautiful gifts that they have that they didn't realize. I had a client that scored a super high level on being a wise and effective change agent, and they hadn't even known that or dove into that before. And they took them down a whole path of adding that to their business and that skill set. So that's awesome. Yeah. And, and about those terms, oh, I, I can guarantee you some people are embracing and kind of living them out and others. Yeah. I do think they've become some buzzwords. I mean, and I'm sure you would agree at like, we both see the cultures of organizations of all types and, uh, and the dysfunction that exists within. So, uh, <laughs> that's it. Buzzword, but I'm like, I needed to think of what, yeah, buzzword. And yeah. I've been, oh my gosh, I've been in those meetings. I've used the buzzwords guilty, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah. as I've progressed on this journey, it's really caused me to pause and think about these buzzwords we use and if we really even know what they mean. <laughs> yeah. Well, and if people really do implement them, like understand and then remove the barriers to living them out, that is transformational for not only the business and the culture, but heck, our society, honestly. So. <laughs> Um, we need more people to understand this stuff and yeah, not just use the words. So actions, actions. Um, so you shared a little bit about what motivated you to start working towards this impact. And, um, initially you shared the two goals that you had, which were, uh, leaving on the top and, uh, sleeping in your bed more often, (laughs) but, um, how about for others? Like what encouraged you or inspired you to help others make transitions and what kind of transitions do they kind of end up making sometimes other than having some great self-discovery? There's, it changes as I go through my coaching and business experience, but initially it was authenticity in the workplace. The more that I saw that my employees could show up as their authentic selves and connect with each other in a real way, the more productivity and profitability and employee satisfaction I was getting from my team. And oh, by the way, kind of like what you mentioned before, the ripple effect in society, how are they behaving when they go home from work for the day? And how are they treating people that they run into on the way home, their family, their friends, maybe a little bit better, hopefully, because they're having these connecting experiences at work rather than feelings of isolation and loneliness. And so that really touched me seeing my team when they're doing these activities, being able to take off the mask and put it down and be who they really are in front of each other, see the humanity in each other and be, and just know that, oh my gosh, this person struggles with life. Just like me, this, just like me, this person is seeking joy and trying to avoid pain, whatever they're going through. I was powerful. And, you know, to take it just to the business side, it freed me up as a leader to actually do my job because they were so connected. If they needed something, they would just call each other. I mean, they know their job more than I do because it's a different position, right? So they, they were comfortable reaching out to each other for questions, working on projects together, all of those things 
freed me up to do my job. Yeah. And that's, you know, a couple of thoughts were coming to mind. And one, I, I use the term trust buckets, how full are your trust buckets? Because, you know, even if we stop and think about our personal relationships, we are able to give so much more grace if we have a full trust bucket with someone else, because we assume the best and we all trust in different ways. Like some people trust until you mess with me, others like prove it and then I'll trust you. But, uh, but if we don't have any time to really be authentic with our coworkers or others in our lives, we generally don't have full trust buckets. And then that's when all that friction and drama ignites and it does make it harder. Now you're playing referee as a leader instead of focusing on the business. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, getting those, making sure they're having that time to connect and, uh, fill their trust buckets with each other can be so transformational as well. Yeah. And making that time during work hours is so important because you're stating as a leader that this matters. And that this is a priority, not shoving it to, to, you know, when a cocktail outer, outer yeah, after work. exactly. After work, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, time off, anything like that during work hours, mm-hmm. showing it's a priority is, is a huge deal, not interfering with, with their personal time. The impact is, is amazing. And I, <laughs> the data is there, which is so frustrating for me sometimes because I'm like, wow, all the data is there that if we just connect authentically, take care of each other, understand collaboration over competition, it's a win-win. It literally is a win-win. Oh, I know. Like I hear ya. <laughs> I hear you, sister, <laughs> throwing the hands in the air again. I know it's just, uh, you know, but of course, for our own like health, it's like you got to focus on where you can make the impact yourself because there's just so much um, and people not willing and all of that. Like, so putting your energy where, but yeah, I can, you know, I always, I've said that I have been facilitating high conflict, difficult difficult conversations for going on 30 years. And I have never lost control of one, one, two, I have had to help them coach through. And mostly what it is, is the fear ahead of time. They have the, all the, what ifing that happens and three in that 30 years, like I said, I've never lost control. We've always had positive outcomes and the big fears have never come to fruition. And not only did the fears not come to fruition on the other side of being vulnerable and authentic, you know, and even if it's not a high conflict situation, but even when it's a high conflict, you know, or, or an eroded relationship or a non-existent trust bucket, uh, even then you see, you know, more connection on the other side and a, and a healthier, you know, sometimes there's a longer journey, of course, but like it's moving in the right direction. You just got to rip the bandaid off and do it. Yeah. And that's the part about being vulnerable and courageous, right? Like Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and that's, that's where I think people get tripped up. It, and that's where it sounds like you're coming in to help facilitate that is I, I have a quote in my book about the selectively data-driven executive. And it reminds me of that because when we're talking about the data and how it's a win-win when you bring people together, employee satisfaction, high engagement, all of those things. Sometimes that data is ignored because this is the touchy feely stuff that people are uncomfortable managing. Right. 
or maybe PMB. They, they call it Mambi PMB. People yeah, Mambi or, PMB. or on my side, you know, because it's spiritual skills, intelligence. If they want <laughs> yeah. On my side, because it's spiritual intelligence, you know, I'm woo-woo. Or yes. right, right. <laughs> something like that. It's like, okay, call me whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, but but I also think that these these skills need to be taught, like with you coming in and facilitating something like that, beautiful, perfect. And seeing the value in that, I'm seeing a lot more companies that are seeing the value in that and bringing that to their organization. And as we grow and as we move forward, you and I are recording this conversation during the great resignation. It's a huge talk right now. Employees are leaving their jobs at record numbers to choose something else. I live in California. There's now hiring signs everywhere I go. Michigan too, everywhere. And I've been helping 100% of my clients across the nation right now, transition job descriptions, help them be more creative in their recruiting to, yeah, to entice employees. Yep. And, yep. and right there, who do you think that people are going to choose to work for? The company that is yep. cutting edge and connecting and understanding these things or the company that has unhealthy competition and is not connecting? Right. I mean, pre-COVID, I don't know if you've seen this research article, but pre-COVID Harvard Business Review did the loneliest workers in America research. And they found that employees are feeling burnt out, not from workload in particular, but because they have feelings of like isolation and loneliness and that that's contributing to burnout. I'd love to see new data points come out from COVID too, because I'm sure it contributed more to the feelings of loneliness and isolation with remote work. hundred percent. And how do we keep that hybrid workspace and keep it flexible? So we have a workforce for everyone or a workplace for everyone, but then also connect each other. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's so. another conversation I've been having with my clients too. Like, how do we stay connected? And I've again, been trying to help them be creative about how you replicate the water cooler conversations, the bopping <laughs> in and out of each other's offices. And so I've been, you know, just, we're getting a little, it, it's still highly relevant, but, <laughs> but I wasn't say I was going to say we were getting off topic. No, we're not. This is highly relevant, but, <laughs> um, but you know, have kind of, I'm using air quotes here, but office hours where pop into zoom and just sit there and give people the link and let people know you're there and available, you know, for, and do your work, you know, be productive, but know like there's certain times when I'm just here, like I would be down the hall or, mm-hmm. you know, schedule those activities, the connection activities during work, uh, to just get to know one another, play a game, do something fun. And, uh, that is not just work related. And this is, pre-COVID and, you know, not remote work, but make sure you're taking time to celebrate and thank one another and appreciate one another. Uh, I believe one of our innate human desires is to feel like we are known, acknowledged and appreciated. And if you're a leader who is not being intentional about making sure that you're doing that, the last time you talked to your employee was when there was a hiccup. And then the next time you talk to your employees, there's going to, it's going to be because of a hiccup. And there's all kinds of things to appreciate about them in between. So don't be the leader where people are saying the only time they talk to me is when, you know, there's a problem. So, but anyway, (laughs) we're, we digress. (laughs) I want to tell a cautionary tale if it's okay, that I Mm -hmm. think will inspire this authenticity. Cause sometimes again, that fear, I always say like fear wins and we can sometimes bust through the fear one by, um, creating the pain where we are. Cause the pain of this, you know, staying the same has to worse to be, has to be worse than the pain of the change. 
but also just um, cautionary tales. We can think about, Ooh, I didn't realize the, uh, the collateral damage, the consequences. And so I want to share this story about being an authentic and it was a client and, um, he, uh, had an employee that needed feedback and it was around her communication style. And he was afraid to be a true leader and give her that authentic feedback. And so for a year he was going to leadership team meetings and hearing feedback about how she was communicating and then acting like he was giving it to her and he wasn't. And this went on for over mm. a year until there was a unrelated situation where she ended up like rising up and saying, what the heck? And meanwhile, by the way, all the leaders are more and more frustrated and resentful towards her because they think she's getting the feedback and continuing to make the wrong choices, but she wasn't, she hadn't been given the opportunity to make a different choice because she didn't know because this guy was not being authentic. He was lying to his coworkers, but it turned into such a huge rigmarole. And it all came out of his fear of having an authentic correction conversation with her, which was just identifying the gap that was in her communication that she could easily tweak actually. And so, um, and it turned into such, you know, a year of frustration and resentment and her feeling like, oh my gosh, why does everyone not like me here? And what's going on and her having no idea. And them thinking like she's making bad choices, you know, given full information. And I facilitated the conversation that they had after all of this blew up and came out and all of that and super hard. She lost all trust in him. Totally valid. Um, they're working it out though. But like, man, a year of all of that for what? So that he could avoid all the what ifs, the discomfort of having that one conversation. Yeah. The uncomfortable conversation feeling. <laughs> yeah. Just rip the bandaid yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. That's a really compelling story about what people will do to avoid uncomfortable moments. And there's so much good on the other side of those uncomfortable moments. Yeah. Sitting in that uncomfortable moment as a leader is a big deal. And if you, and it takes a while to grow. I mean, I've been there. I've, I've been wanting to avoid an uncomfortable com conversation as a leader. Of course. I mean, in all the years you do this, you go through all of that, but if you can view feedback as a gift, that's one way you can reframe it. Okay. Feedback's a gift. And if people get defensive or upset when you're giving them feedback, well, that means they care. I hate feedback. <laughs> and when Wait, I giving or receiving, <laughs> um, <laughs> receiving, receiving, I I'm so, you know, I fight that perfectionist tendency every day. And when I get feedback, Oh, it, sometimes it stings, but it always, I always have to reframe it that it's a gift to help me do better and to serve my clients better. So, yes. Yeah. And that's letting the ego win. And you know that, um, exactly. when, when that defensiveness <laughs> rises up. So I, from the flip side of that, I have my four D's, uh, bust the four D's of discipline avoidance. There's well, and there's five now, but anyway, they all start with D, but, uh, I share the five main stay stuck strategies that employees use. And it might be not, it might not be intentional. So you likely get defensive, you know, you might not show mm -hmm. it, but it might be only happening inside, but that's right. one of the D's <laughs> defensiveness. Deflection is another, like, let me hijack this meeting. But, um, but yeah, those stay stuck strategy come about, but if from a leadership perspective, you have the right mindset, which is it's my job to give you the opportunity to be successful by sharing clear expectations and identifying those gaps for you and creating a plan. Um, you know, that is a gift. And so, uh, you know, have that opportunity and you don't need to join them in the twirl, however, they end up reacting. Some people, you know, they're going to react all kinds of different ways. So, um, 
Yeah. Yeah. That's great though. I love, you're like, I don't even like getting feedback. <laughs> well, I mean, I want to be, you know, we all, we're all, human, Oh, I know right? no one loves it. I mean, but yeah, especially and, when, cause you get all those thoughts too. And you hit, yeah, not perfect. All that. Exactly. Exactly. But you completely hit it um, in an SQ perspective, spiritual intelligence. What skill five is awareness of your ego self versus your higher self. And I talk a lot about that in EQ as well with emotional intelligence. Can you recognize when you're triggered? See if it's your ego that's playing a role within that. Can you put your ego aside and work from that place within you that comes from wisdom and compassion? reframe the situation, build a connection instead of getting defensive and firing back and all of those things. So, yeah. Yes. Well, I, <laughs> you're making, sorry, <laughs> I am like, you keep making me think of instances, but, um, yeah, anytime the topic is shifting and you're the one who's shifting it, mm, take a look. <laughs> so I know like, um, I, I have a client right now who is, uh, it's a family business. And so he, and now the sons are working in the business. And so he has this huge desire to prove that he didn't make mistakes. And this happens a lot in family business when the next gen joins in. But, um, but anyway, I was facilitating a conversation. It was the toughest one ever. It was two hours with one of the sons and he was just trying to identify. It was just a super simple, like uh, challenge and they needed to problem solve it. But the dad only his filters, he threw these filters on and these earmuffs and all he heard was you do a bad job. And so he had to defend that. So we can be aware of that, that we're doing that if uh, we're hijacking the conversation. <laughs> So that's your ego hijacking the conversation. If it's no longer on problem solving, if someone's trying to share an issue and you're telling them there isn't an issue, you got your earmuffs on and the so ego's good. winning. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tell me, um, I, again, I knew that this was going to be an awesome, fun conversation, <laughs> but I love to have guests here share what fuels your passion, like a specific impact that you can think of that maybe it's your go-to one when you're having a tough day. Cause you know, we all hit those tough patches and we need to refuel. So we need to ignite that passion in us so that we have the tenacity and all of that. And so what is one client story that you have that where you really help them transition? Okay. Just, this is the first thing I'm just going to share intuitively what just hit me while you're saying that. And Mm -hmm. this is a favorite of mine because it ended up being super simple. I had a client that was starting a nonprofit and he was overwhelmed and working many, many hours. And this was like, I love what I do because at the end of the session, his homework was every morning he was going to get up and go on a walk to Starbucks and walk back home. And that was it. Mm -hmm. He was just going to do a micro change, a micro step in what he did because he was work, he was burning himself out and that was it. And I was so, as a coach, even inside, we don't admit it, but I was like, oh my gosh, he doesn't, you know, have these, any sort of big action items coming up for his nonprofit or anything from our session. And it was like, we're open to outcome. We're not attached to it. We need to clutter, clear some things out to let new things come in. And he was like, yeah, I'm just going to not do anything and take a walk every morning to Starbucks and walk back and not like, and disconnect. And I'm like, okay, that's it. That's all I want. And, and the next time we met many, many changes had occurred. So just the power of sitting with someone and helping them facilitate their thinking, 
helping them remove the clutter from their life so new things can come through. That just one particular story came up, but there's many. Um, yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. It can be just those simple little changes that can be so empowering to someone else. And it's just not on their radar. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. How fun. Well, and how cool, like, you know, if you're helping a nonprofit do their work better, you're helping in a small way with that awesome impact that they're making. And so that gets to fuel us too. So cool. Yeah. yeah. And what really fuels me too, and I'll change, I change things around. I mean, I love the connection with clients. That's big. I mean, I get sometimes more <laughs> like just out of meeting with them than I think they realize themselves. It's, it's an, it's amazing connecting with someone and helping them through a conversation they may not normally take the time to have. Um, and then I love doing like fun stuff as far as like, if you're talking about refueling, I like, I created all the create magic at work tools to, to add the fun because this is deep inner work that we're doing. And so I don't know if you've seen, but I, I do a weekly workplace message. Um, I authored a journal prompt card deck and I'll pull a message from the universe meant for everyone for their career, or their workplace each week. And I love doing stuff like that. <laughs> oh, I love that. And I actually have someone that I need to connect you with. So remind me while we're done with this interview. Oh, cool. I, she was just asking about, um, yeah, some uh, simple team building kinds of things to do. So, yeah. Uh, so um, what... Tell me what is you personally, the biggest mm -hmm. internal or external challenge that you've had to overcome and how did you overcome it? So as we all have been through challenges in our lives, I'm going to bring up a recent one because I was just in an SQ summit and we shared, what did we lose the past 18 months, you know, in reference to the pandemic and what have we gained? And I thought about it and I was like, wow, I lost my agency over the last 18 months and I actually gained it back. <laughs> I lost it and I gained it back. Um, I feel like we were inundated with workshops, online courses, advice. And as a lifelong learner and a leader, I, when the pandemic hit, I dove into all of those things. I was in many different groups I, and I got to the point where I, I was getting close to just listening to experts and taking instead of taking responsibility for my life and my decisions. And so, yeah, that was a challenge. I feel like I was walking through a forest <laughs> and I finally came out of the clearing and I got, I gained my independence and my responsibility to make decisions for my life, which is a huge SQ skill, right? Um, yes. Yes. You, you know, so you, I think you talked about it earlier in the conversation, sitting with yourself, sitting with that uncomfortableness for a while uh, before you make a decision that's seeking guidance from your higher self, from your internal wisdom. And a huge SQ failure is giving that responsibility for your life away to someone else to make those decisions and yes. um, losing and that so and then regaining it was super powerful for me. So yeah, I was going to say, and sometimes it can be a, uh, you know, not on purpose, but, you know, unintentionally a procrastination tool. Like it feels like I'm doing stuff because I'm taking in all this information, but like, if you're not taking time to think about it, apply it, think about, you know, and implement some things and, and also do that discernment piece, like which, you know, which pieces am I going to take in and run with and which am I going to throw aside? Cause they're not a fit, but yeah. Uh, you know, at some point be done with the research part, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> the learning yeah. part and start yeah. to take action. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of you, I was one of those people that was doing, um, doing, uh, groups and webinars and all that kind of stuff. I started mm-hmm. throwing out like free stuff, you know, cause I was just like, oh my gosh, uh, you know, I feel like I need to do something to help others. And I'm yeah, alone in my, but yeah, then I was like, uh, yeah, I'm not gonna, <laughs> add to the noise. Let me uh, step out of this for a little bit. It, it sort of sparked the journal prompt cards I talked about in my journal because they're just questions. And it's like, you have the answers from within. Think about these questions and write your own self-prescription yeah. or whatever, because it was quite a, yeah, quite a journey. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> we have awesome. a long enough show, but yeah. I know. I mean, I feel like we need to do a few follow-up uh, <laughs> interviews here. There's, we've had some <laughs> tangents we could totally dive into. Yeah. Um, well, so tell me what are some personal tips and tricks that you use to stay motivated during those tough times? Yeah. I think that staying connected with close friends is super important during tough times. Lonely. We talked about loneliness and isolation earlier, staying connected with someone that and you that on social media. Exactly. Doesn't count. Yeah. I have a friend that I meet with once a week on zoom for an hour and I met her at Berkeley and we've done it ever since we left and we're just there for each other. That's awesome. And that's it, you know, and pull yourself out of isolation, I think would be the biggest tip. And you know what? Everyone write that down hundred percent and, you know, do what I say, not what I do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, because I am not intentional about that. Like I should be. And while I like spend less time connecting on social media too. Um, so yeah, but it is so true. And you know, the social media is great. Like there's ways to connect, you know, kind of stay on the forefront of what's going on in people's lives, but unwilling, unknowingly we have, um, you know, the catch up calls that we used to do with one another aren't really happening like Mm -hmm. they used to. You know, cause we feel like, ah, you know, I kind of, I, I got the up-to-date thing, you know, or you talk super quick and you're like, oh yeah, I saw that on Facebook. You know, you don't have the actual conversation. Oh, I saw the pictures. I saw that, but it is not the same. So yeah, I, I think isolation is, um, one of our big, big challenges of our time, really honestly. And again, this is going to be a digression, so we're not going to go down this trail, but <laughs> also younger people and their communication is mostly digital now and they, you know kind of the way they communicate. I'm a little worried about that too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> anyway. All right. So you have shared so much wisdom and value today, but I want to ask one more question for those who are either just starting or have the inspiration to start making their own impact, or maybe they're along their journey, but, um, hitting some roadblocks, what words of wisdom do you have for others who want to make their own impact in the world? Oh, I love this. Thank you. I know we talked, we talked about ripple effect quite a bit. So each day I ha- I tell when I feel down about my entrepreneur journey, because it feels like a roller coaster, I tell myself this affirmation. I say each day, I just do something small to make a difference. And that's enough. And that's enough. Mm -hmm. Each day, I just do something to send a little bit of a ripple effect. And that's enough. And that's enough. I love that. And that's so true. And again, the feeling of overwhelmed does not serve us feeling dejected or frustrated. Like we're not doing enough does not serve us. And so, you know, and scope creep happens everywhere, (laughs) Uh, whether you're working for others or for yourself, uh, it's hard to keep those boundaries up and stay really focused and intentional about how you're, how we're using our time. And 
yeah, we can start to feel so dejected and frustrated that we're not making more of an impact and, um, comparisons of others make it more challenging and, uh, yeah, feeling like our impact is so small. So that is a beautiful, uh, word of wisdom. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for asking me that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Amy, it has been so amazing talking with you, um, a kindred spirit. And (laughs) again, I feel like we could talk forever in a day, but, um, please guys go check out Amy. Uh, She's Create Magic at Work. You can find her at createmagicatwork.net. And uh, that link, along with any of her social media links, will be at the show notes for today's episode. You can find that by going to defeatthedrama.com, click on the podcast tab, and go to episode 229. And thanks again, Amy, for joining me today and for all the important work that you're doing in this world. Thank you. Thank you, Kirsten. I hope we brought some magic to everyone today for sure. And get out there and make your own impact. The world is waiting. I promise. Take care. 